Have you ever wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? You know, the thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world more like Jesus than we found it. I know, and that's why I'm here. My name is Rebecca Dotson-George. I'm a speaker, writer, career coach, and just all around excited to be in your earbuds for the next few minutes. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering you on as you make God known in and through your creative mission. Here's the thing though, I know sometimes you can get discouraged. I'm not good enough. I don't know where to start. I can't do as good of a job as she's doing. These are all lies that we sometimes believe and I'm here to help you debunk those lies that are ruling your mind about your mission and replace them with truth from God's word. So. Buckle up, because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. Welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. Do you ever get to the end of a podcast and just think, man, I am not done with that conversation. Girl, me too. And I love hearing from you about how not only the show is encouraging you, but also what God is stirring up in you as a result. And I just really wanted the opportunity to connect one-on-one with more of you. And that's why I've created a Patreon community. Patreon is an online platform that hosts bonus content and provides creators a way to hang out with their audience in a more intimate way. So here's how I'm going to use it. There are three tiers. First is the bestie tier, which will include access to the platform and extra conversations with all our guests that only Patreon besties will get to hear. These questions will not be shared here on your podcast platform. Then there's the VIP party tier. This includes the bestie tier and you get invited to a VIP party once a month on Zoom where we get to hang out, get to know one another better and maybe do some coaching in a group session from time to time. And then finally, there is the calling coach tier. In this tier, you'll be able to access the previous tiers plus have a 30 minute coaching call per month with me to talk about anything podcast, ministry or career related. How fun does this sound? So come on over to Patreon by downloading the app or visiting patreon.com and search Do The Thing Movement. I can't wait to meet you inside the community. Hey friends, I'm so happy to be with you today. We get to welcome a new friend, Kim Weir, to the show today to talk about her book, The Art of Friendship. We had such a good time talking about friendship just through a biblical lens, and she is just so wise as she approaches this topic that is so important to all of us, especially right now. And so I think you're really, really going to enjoy this one. I had a great conversation with her over on Patreon in our bonus episode, so make sure you go check that out as well. But help me welcome our new friend, Kim, to the show. Kim, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining me. I love to talk to people about relationships and I love to make new friends. So this is perfect for me. Yes. I love that. And I am so excited to talk about the message of your new book. It's called the art of friendship. And man, I don't think there's ever been a time where I've had more conversations about this topic just with, with friends or, or just, I think we're having to enter this new season that is so weird for all of us. And we're having to navigate our friendships maybe even differently, or it's just a topic of conversation often around at least my life. So I want to hear 
sort of the path to this book for you? What I find, I don't know about you, but when I talk to authors, there's a common thread of, hey, I walked down this path and God, you know, taught me X, Y, and Z. And I felt compelled to kind of share my journey with the world. So I'm imagining friendship is a special topic to you. I want to hear kind of the backstory of the book. That's so insightful. I am an interviewer too. I work in radio and podcasting. So I talk to a lot of people who've written a lot of books and I will say that that is the common experience. And I will also say, I don't want to talk to somebody who hasn't walked through the very thing they're telling me how to walk through. (laughs) Anyway, the authenticity of a message comes through. And isn't God gracious that he would allow us to go through challenging times, learn something, draw near to truth, and then give us opportunities, whether that's in writing or telling your next door neighbor about the things that you've discovered and the ways that God leads. So yeah, for me, that's the reality of it. That friendship has been a journey my whole life. Uh, my story as a kid growing up is that we moved every two years, um, not in the military, which most people ask, just life circumstances, divorce, job relocations, those kinds of things for my parents. And so you can imagine as a, as a kid, elementary, junior high, high school, when you move every two years, it's really difficult to establish your people, your group, a connection to feel like you belong. But God was gracious in that. And the journey is what it is. And it certainly has built into me a lot of skills and character qualities. Obviously, I wouldn't have. However, it also created in me, because I allowed it to, insecurities of, you know, they already have friends. They're not going to want to know me. And all the things that we struggle with as little girls or young people, if we don't resolve those, we just bring them into big girl life. And so I discovered that that was true for me too. Thankfully, um, I was able to, when I got married, we planted ourselves in one town. And for the first time ever, I knew what it was to have community. And so I had a long period of time to kind of inch my way into family. And of course, I found that family within the Christian community. Um, Our church became family. And really, for the first time, discovered belonging as a friend and thankful for a lot of women in my life who taught me a lot about acceptance and relationship and, you know, struggling with my own insecurity. So, yeah, a lot of us can relate to those kinds of things, regardless of what your journey is. Um, But for me, the seasons change. And as my kids entered into junior high and high school, I began to pull back and spend a lot of time really trying to be that home where they could bring their friends and invest in them. And their people became my people. And I stopped reaching out to my real people, my friends. And I didn't realize it was happening, that I was becoming, you know, more isolated away from friendships. And I wasn't being a good friend. I was more consumed with, oh my gosh, I'm raising teenagers. Um, And so when our son sort of got through college and was about to get married, still had teens at home, it's time to send out invitations. And I realized I I don't have any friends. Nobody's going to want to come to my parties for showers and all those insecurities welled up again. And it was sort of that journey. A, A lot of it I do chronicle in the art of friendship, but it was through the process of that journey that I discovered I saw a lot to learn about friendship. And the one thing I know, Rebecca, is that 
when you don't have answers, go to God's word. He has answers for everything. He yeah. is the author of life and he knows how it was best to do life. And, and in that soul searching process of seeking out God and dealing with my own stuff, I learned so much about friendship that just transformed my relationships. And so being able to share that with other people, because being mm-hmm. in women's ministry myself, I hear this a lot. This is, it doesn't matter what your backstory is. Women struggle in this time in history with relationships. Yeah, that's so good. Okay. Here's, um, here's what you don't know. So we're new friends. We just met like five minutes ago. And, um, what you don't yet know about my life is, um, a couple years ago, I got married, which is, which is awesome. So I moved about nine hours from, where I'd lived my entire life and had a very deep rooted community in Tennessee to small town, Mississippi. I married a pastor. So became a pastor's wife and entered a whole new community, left a whole community, all of that. Right. And so I've sort of spent the so last much change couple of years kind of navigating. Um, what does friendship look like in this, in this new season, especially, um, being a small town pastor's wife, you know, and, and I joke now that the podcast has grown to the point that it has, but I always say I started this show because I was a lonely pastor's wife in a small town and it was a way for me to connect with friends and like get outside of, you know, the small town bubble. But at a really deep level, I get what you mean about, you know, seasons change, kids grow up, we move, we change jobs, we become a pastor's wife, right? Like whatever it is. And, um, those friendships ebb and change with those, those life changes. And that can be really hard, much less throw in a global pandemic. Right. And I think we've all, you know, found ourselves kind of in maybe a place of loneliness or we're struggling maybe in our friendships, but I'd love to hear from you, you know, as you search the scriptures and, you know, as you wrote this project, how did you find that God has equipped us to be a good friend and to have those meaningful relationships? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, and just to comment on the whole, you know, we've been, you know, bunkered down in our houses for a year. I do think that one of the silver linings of that has been for us to understand the value of the friendships that we've taken for granted, um, or even seeing our own hunger of the need that we have for relationships. I think a lot of us think, you know, they're really, they're, they're, you know, superfluous. I can take them, I can leave them. They're kind of a luxury. I don't have to have them. We say that when we have them (laughs) and when we don't have them, when we don't have access to them, I might say, we begin to understand, yeah, this is not an optional thing. This was feeding into who I am as a person and what God's doing in my life way more than I thought it was. And I do believe there's an increased value that we understand now about relationships that we took for granted before they were taken away from us in a lot of ways. So I'll just, I'll just say that God is gracious. He is kind. If we have eyes to see in, in my case, being able to dig into the scriptures and say, Lord, what is it about that? Am I just being whiny? It started with that is, is friendship just one of those things that I, you might have it, you might not have it like, like marriage, you know, in, in the scriptures, Paul says that it's a gift. Not everybody's called to be married. Lord, 
maybe, maybe friendship is just one of those things and I just need to suck it up. And you've given me much ministry. You've given me children. You've given me a husband that would really like my attention. (laughs) Maybe I should just, but what I discovered is yeah, no, it is not optional. And it is the one relationship that every single human on the planet God calls to. So he doesn't call us all to marriage. He hasn't called us all to be parents, but here's the thing. He actually has told us all to be a friend. And so if that is the one thing we all have in common, then that is worth looking at. And the more I dug into what the scriptures say, what I discovered is that friendship is one of the significant and yet deeply overlooked doctrines of the Bible, friendship with God. I think we look at him and he is God on high. He is almighty and majestic and worthy of worship. And that is true. But here's what he says about himself. He says, I am your friend. Uh, He calls himself the friend of Abraham. That's his name. That's what he said. And he has said in um, Psalms that the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. This is an offer that he's making up. It's something he wants to give. And when we wind up jumping into the New Testament, we see that Jesus says, I'm not calling you a servant anymore. I'm calling you a friend. And so there are all these nuggets scattered throughout the scripture. And when you start compiling them together, it's a bit overwhelming and humbling to think that the God of the universe seeks and searches and redefines me as a friend. And I was overwhelmed by that. And it was very exciting just to keep digging into the scriptures to see what else I could find. Yeah, that's so good. So it makes me kind of point us back to this whole topic of loneliness, right? Like we've all been locked up in our houses. We've all experienced this pandemic that, you know, we're all amateurs at and we're trying to not only find toilet paper, but, you know, learn how to be a good friend kind of in the midst of this. So you know, a listener coming to this conversation feeling really lonely today, what are some practical things that um, not only they can do as they, as they, I don't know, invest back in that relationship with their friendship with God, but then also practically in our lives, what does that look like for you in your friendships? And I don't know, like what wisdom would you want to share to somebody who's lonely? Well, so first I would just say there's no shame in feeling lonely. In fact, in those places that we feel lonely, we are just validating the way we were created. And if you go all the way back to the garden, God made male and female. He said, let us make them in our image. Um, he didn't make one, he made two. And he, yes, there's implications to male, female, and marriage in that for God's greater purpose of populating the earth and and making his glory known truly. But there's other implications there too. Um, God made companionship because he was making mankind in his image and he made them in our image. God is in us. God is in communion and companionship. It is the essence of his nature to be in companionship, in community. And he could not make us in his image if he did not make us to belong in community and also to crave it, to to not be satisfied without it. So if you're feeling lonely, let me just say there's no shame in that. There's not, I've rejected, therefore I feel lonely or I'm doing something wrong. We feel lonely because we're created to be 
with others. And so that's a validation of you being made in God's image. And that is something to celebrate. We don't want to stay in that lonely state. One of the things that I found as I began to look at Jesus' own demonstration is I actually found the pattern for how I should be friending. And which is great because why start from scratch? Why try to have to guess? God's so good. He just says, I'm going to lay things out for you. And he makes them pretty clear. So jump ahead from creation. We're going to make a quick (laughs) jump into the New Testament. And Jesus is surrounded by all these people that are following him, right? Here they're in awe of this rabbi, this teacher who's telling them about the kingdom of God, and they know there's something different about him and that God's hand is on him and all the rest will unfold in time. But for now, they're following him and they're they're like his servants. They're his disciples. They're sitting at his feet. And there comes a point to where Jesus looks at them and he gives them a little discourse on friendship. And this is what he says. It's in John 15. And say with me, because here is really an outline for what do we do in our own lives if we want to build relationships. He says, my command is this, and he's talking to his disciples, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that you would lay down your life for one's friend. And then he says, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, for a servant doesn't know his master's business. I call you friends because everything I've learned from my father, I made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to bear fruit that would last and that you would, whatever you ask in my father's name, I would give you. And then he says, this is my command. Go love each other. So here he starts with, I love you. This is what it looks like to love. It's called friendship. And then the other bookend of that is now you go do the same thing. And so it's kind of our friendship marching orders, right? Mm -hmm. And there are, really three things in there that are part of what it makes, what makes us his friend and what he's telling us to do. Number one, that we lay aside our life for our friend. Now he literally laid down his life for us at the cross. He gave up his life, but that word actually translates into lay aside. And so the question is, how do I put somebody else's interests of my own that I would lay my interests aside so that I could put their interests first? So that's the first mark of friendship. The second one is transparency. You're my friend because I'm telling you everything my father told me. I'm bringing you into the inner circle. I'm sharing with you what I don't tell everybody else. There is transparency. There's vulnerability. Those are scary things. These are not easy things. Don't put yourself first and and open up and let somebody into the deepest part of who you are. And then the last one, and I think this is the, the one we overlook the most and misunderstand the most, is Jesus said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I, short, shorten, shorthand for that. Go first. As I just call it the go first philosophy. Friendship is not about waiting for somebody to come and seek you out. Yeah. True friendship in the image of God that is deeply satisfying will meet the need of your soul for the kind of community you were created in, in the image of God goes first. It reaches out. It takes the initiative. It's looking to the interests of other people and it's being vulnerable even when you're scared to do it. And so what does that look like in your life? It could look like a thousand different things, but part of it starts with, will I go first? What does that look like in your life, Rebecca, where you've moved to? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think for me, it's been a lot of one, realizing that friendship looks different for me in this season, not only 
did I grieve the loss of the closeness in terms of proximity to some people that I love in Tennessee, but also embracing um, exactly what you're saying, this go first mentality of, okay, if I'm going to have friends here, like I've got to take some ownership and put myself out there. I'm going to ask people to coffee. I'm going to try and maybe fail. I mean, I'll be transparent and say that friendships inside of ministry in terms of being a pastor's wife look different, right? Everybody that I know here in this small town that I moved to two years ago, I'm also pastor's wife too. And so navigating that um, has been new for me. And, And even realizing I still need those friendships that I left in Tennessee. And sometimes, um, I mean, it, it goes both ways. I need them. They need me. And and there are times even in ministry life over the last year when we're leading a church through a pandemic that I said, okay, I need my people. I need to go up to Tennessee for a few days and just spend time with people that I love, that I'm not pastor's wife to, that... Um, that I have some deep rooted community with. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, that's several things, but, you know, grieving the loss of what I had also embracing sort of simultaneously embracing the newness of a season and reaching out and, and going first, like you're saying, um, and learning to navigate friendship as a pastor's wife, all of that has really been the last two years of my mm-hmm. life. So I, I love what you're saying. I you, well, it's so funny. Even, even this concept of you turning around and going back into your old community, that is you initiating versus going, why doesn't anybody come see me? And I wish somebody would reach out. They've forgotten all about me. I mean, think how quickly we can put ourselves in those pity party wells instead going, you know what? I need them. I need the intimacy that we had. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to pursue them and I'm going to fill myself up by also reconnecting with them. I mean, it's those kinds of things that they, they seem small, but the taking of the initiative versus the waiting is what where we're going to find satisfaction because otherwise we just sit and spin in our head and come up with all of these delusions about what they must be thinking because they're not reaching out, that kind of thing. I had a conversation. I also have a podcast called The Art of Friendship Podcast and had a conversation with Shante Feldham, who is a social researcher. I adore Many of her. you know her books. They're everywhere. Isn't she fabulous? If you haven't mm-hmm. talked with her, do. And um, she did a couple of years ago, the kindness challenge. And one of the things that she found is that um, when you're reaching out to show kindness to people and, and with the effect of, I want to improve a relationship. And so I'm going to take the responsibility on myself without expecting any reciprocation. And I'm going to speak I'm going to pursue them. I'm going to speak positively to them. I'm going to refuse to speak negatively. And I'm going to do something, action. That's what love is. That's what friendship is. It takes action. Every single day, an act of kindness toward them. And this was fascinating. It's all about you take responsibility. You take the initiative. You don't worry about what happens on the other side of what you're doing. And so, again, she's a social researcher. So she did this challenge with a group of 700 people who committed to it. And the data came back as they interviewed all 700 to get results. 89% of them said that their relationships improved, not because the other person did anything, but because they took all the initiative. And then another fascinating thing, 74% 
okay, this is incredible. They themselves felt more loved by what they did, not by what the other person did. Somehow the dynamics of the go first reaching into somebody else's lives does bring about a response. You can't guarantee it, but the, the end result was that they were fed into, I call that the boomerang effect. That's what God does. Don't worry about their business. That none your business. <laughs> There's none your business what happens on their side. But God is so gracious. When we live according to principles and realities that he set out, we will see the fruit of that. And God knows that we need to feel loved and belong to and fed into. And so if you'll just trust, if you'll just do these things, you will see it coming back. That's God's business, but he's all about taking care of you. So it will come back. Yeah, that's so good. Okay. One of the things that we do around here that I love is we give our patrons the chance to ask our guests questions. So we tell them, Hey, I'm talking to Kim about friendship. What do you want to know from Kim? And we had a question turned in from Janelle. Janelle asks, how does a woman with a busy life try to have meaningful, impactful relationships with other women who maybe don't understand the busyness of my season? What would you say to that? That is such a great question. I totally relate. I work 40 hours a week and then I work 20 hours a week as a volunteer in ministry, women's ministry. Um, so, you know, a 60 hour work week and then trying to have relationships. Here's an interesting thing too. I hate to keep throwing out what other people say, but there's, boy, if we're humble enough to receive wisdom from other people. And I had a conversation with a guy who wrote a book called Unbusy. And, you know, he just said, you know, that this whole thing that we tell ourselves, and this is not to throw stones. This is, I'm living in this glass house, girls. Um, I'm so busy. How are you? Oh, good. I'm just busy. There is something about that constantly telling ourselves that we're busy that actually builds a wall toward opportunity. It's not that so much of, uh, do they understand I'm busy, but what is our perception of busy? And if we are that busy, that relationships are not available, we might want to rethink that because God emphasizes in his word the importance of relationship, particularly within the Christian community. That's not me. That's God. If we don't like it, I guess we're going to take it up with him because we're, we like to be goal-driven. We like to accomplish things. Some of the busyness that we have can't be helped, especially if you've got a family and you're coming and going. But the reality is choices can be made to make room for the priorities that we have. So I think that's number one is that I had to answer that question. Is this a priority in my life yeah. to cultivate relationships? And if it is, then I have to decide it's not about them fitting into my life. Again, it is laying aside my life to pursue them because that's the Jesus model. So if they don't understand, there's nothing you can do about that. So it, it, all we can do is focus on what we can do. Yeah. But if it's a priority, then we have to let go of that word busy as it is if it's the shield around us that keeps us from having to commit to things God called us to. Yeah. I know. Does that sound harsh? No. I'm just saying these are all the things that I had to wrestle with. Yeah, I know. I I don't think it's harsh. I think it's honest. And I um I love what you said about the word busy. And I have sort of been on a similar path in my own life. Um I've grown to hate that word. I hate using it because I think it puts such a negative 
perspective on what God is doing in my life. So my life might be full. Um, but if I'm to the point where I'm describing my time here on earth as busy, um, I don't know. And maybe it's the way that we spin the word. I think we wear it as a badge of honor. I, I just have become exactly. so much more aware of that. And I try to not use that word as, as much as I can. Um, cause I think it, it is my personality to be busy. It is my personality for life to be full. Uh, but if I have, if I have done that to the point where, um, things like friendship are at stake because of it, then I'm too busy. And, um, I love, yeah. I, love I kind of think about it like this. Um, you remember how we used to have phones that had rotary or whatever? I mean, it's different now because everything goes to voicemail, but you used to get long time ago when you pick up the phone and you'd call and somebody was already occupied, you get a busy signal. Yeah. And basically that meant you're not getting through it. I am not available. And I guess when we use not just the word busy, but when we are living the mentality of busy, basically what we're doing is we're giving everybody else that, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't have time for you. Can't get through. And what we do want to do is be like Jesus who paused, who stopped, who turned, who made space, who even had time for children to come climb up on his lap when others were clamoring, you know, for him to be busy about other work. And so, yeah, that's a whole other conversation, but it is one of our obstacles and we might not even realize that it's one of the obstacles to something that we crave friendships. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. I, I great love question. Everything. Wow. It's a great question. I know. I thought it was too. I thought it was a really good question. I love everything about this conversation and I just, I'm so excited to point people back to your book, the art of friendship. So before we head on over to Patreon, what I want you to do, Kim is share a little bit about where can people find you? Where can they grab the book? All of those things. Oh, well, that would just delight me because I'd love to connect with you guys. Well, first of all, you can go to my website, which is just kimweir.com. It's I before E, except after C. Um, <laughs> I got that wrong and sent out our first Christmas card as a married person and misspelled my own last name. Oh, no. So anyway, I know my husband forgave me. Uh, anyway, so kimweir.com. And that kind of points you to le- several other things I do. One of my favorite things that um, I love is that I work for hopeondemand.com and I write an everyday devotional. And so you can subscribe and actually we can spend time together every single day. And this year we're going through, we're calling it in his image. So every week for 52 weeks, we're looking at a different character quality of God. We're looking at it from, from how God demonstrates it, how Jesus demonstrates it a different day, how we see a, a somebody in the Bible demonstrate it, how somebody denies it and how we apply it. And so five days we're looking at one character quality. We just did friendship a couple of weeks ago, kindness. Um, currently I'm working on a series about self-control. Anyway, it's about just knowing God better and then knowing how to reflect him better. So I hope you'll jump over to hopeondemand.com and find me there. And I'm so excited that traveling is opening back up because I would just love to come and spend time with your group talking about the importance of connection and friendship and wrapping it in God's word. So if anybody's interested in their group or their church, I'd love to connect to you that way as well. You can reach me at kimware.com. Awesome. Good deal. Okay. So what we're going to do now is hop on over to Patreon to do sort of our bonus round with Kim. So if you are a subscriber over there, make sure you go give that a listen. But for now, Kim, I just want to thank you so much for being with me. Been a delight. I've been encouraged just talking with you. So thank you. I've loved it. 
Thanks so much for listening to the show. I am so thrilled to have you be a part of this community. I wanted to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, did you know that when people rate and review podcasts on Apple Podcasts, it actually helps more people come across the show? And when that happens, the messages we're sharing get spread even further and we get to encourage more people. I can't think of anything more fun than that. So it would mean the world to me if you would do something that would take just two minutes of your time. Hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a written review. Tell me all about how the show is encouraging you and invite others to listen in. It truly means the world to this girl on the other side of the mic. And then number two, if you're loving the show and want even more content from Do The Thing Movement, hop on over to our Patreon page on your desktop or mobile device to listen to after the show bonus interviews, attend live Zoom parties, and receive extra coaching. Simply download the Patreon app or do it on your desktop device and search Do The Thing Movement. I would love to see you over there in that community. Thanks again for listening, and I can't wait to be back with you next episode. Same time, same place. Bye, friends.